Hello everyone and welcome to episode 205 of Fun With Cars, Formula One podcast. I'm Robin Warner and I am not alone. And I don't mean I'm not alone to speak with. I mean I literally have someone two feet away from me. It's the one and only Jamie Price. Should I stand closer? <laughs> I don't know. Where, where, where's the, where's the uh, imaginary where's the in- barrier? Yeah, where's the inappropriate line? <laughs> Hi, Robin. How's it going, Jamie? Really good. Jamie is uh, completely clad in official photography wear. His uh, shirt says, I'm going to take a picture of it real time. Cano, Can0220 Montreal photo. And then some other stuff. Grand Prix du Canada, blah, blah, blah. So if I get in trouble out trackside, the <laughs> 0220 is what people are uh, are seeing. So they take my no- name and number down. So that's how they know who I am. So I got to be good out there. Well, it's on the record now. Yep. A couple of photographers got in trouble yesterday. Really? Yeah. For Kim- doing what? Kimi was complaining on the radio about two photographers hanging out of a wall that was distracting him. Don't distract Kimi. Yeah. Kimi is very sensitive to distraction. You, you, you do not want to be on, on the receiving end of Kimi's, like, bad radio messages. <laughs> yeah, I, so, okay, so, uh, you have not met him formally, but no. we have a new part-time co-host yep. in uh, Christopher Roche. He's English, so he's properly official. Uh, anyone I that's hear he's in- a Hamilton fan, though. Oh my god, dude! He's what he's, a fanboy! Oh my, so badly. And today he, was a good day for him. Then he calls it he calls it abject. Uh, you know, he's he's unbiased. Yeah. In his absolute love for Hamilton, who can do no wrong. Okay. That's why. As, as, if you own to it, that's fine. Well, here's the thing. He, uh, what's brilliant is how quickly he gets on Rosberg's case. Yeah. Even now today. Yeah. It's lovely. So Rosberg's gone. Let it go, man. Yeah. No, he he will not. But but Chris Christopher is a great guy, super knowledgeable, a lot of fun to talk with, and because we're both engineers, like it's you know it's easy for us to like dig deep into a certain topic, into the numbers of something. Exactly, I love it. But we're not here to talk about numbers. No, you were at um, the morning race that I like to call it. Yeah, the morning, the the the, uh, the support race. Yeah, exactly, the introductory. Uh, you know, and uh, as Alonzo proved, it was the support series, not the real deal. It was. Deal. It was. Monica, you don't go to Monaco for the race. You go to Monaco for Monaco. You do, and I can't imagine you come away anything other than impressed. Yeah. It's, I've never been. It's incredible. And I feel, I, I've said it many times, but I feel like every racing fan, every Formula One fan should go. You can do it without spending, you know, a million dollars, without spending your life savings. Uh, I was sharing an Airbnb with two other guys, and I spent, like, it was $500 for a week, for a week staying. Wow. And I was walking distance from the track. I was 20 minutes walk from the track. That's incredible. So, yeah. it's, not, should, it's not as bad as everybody thinks it is, but it's a great, I love Monaco. I should point out, I, this is actually exactly where we are right now. We're right by a loading dock, like a like a landing for pontoon boats in the Olympic. Let's let's class it up. It's the Olympic rowing basin. It, yes, it's, with a with a pontoon loading dock next to it. It's exactly what Jamie just said. And on uh, there's a there's the the rowing basin, a small road, and then like I guess it's called the paddock club. Yep. That's where I am at the moment. So, and that's the one place I'm allowed, and yep. the one place Jamie is not allowed. Robin's in the in the fancy seats, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll take I'll take my access though. Yeah, I can walk into the paddock, so right. you know, we could carry this conversation in there, and it would end. Right, exactly. <laughs> you just hear Jamie getting quieter and quieter as I 
was not allowed in. And uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of funny because I said, so where does this get me? And they said, oh, the Paddock Club, Honda. You want to be over there? I said, yeah, no, no. Where else is it getting me? And they're like, oh, nowhere. No, 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 no. Nowhere. <laughs> so I was like, okay. But uh, so here we are. We're wait, right you, in Robin. This- do you hear that? Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of classic Formula One cars that sound good. <laughs> it's going to get loud here, people. It is. So we are right in the center of the Montreal Grand Prix, and uh, Jamie's about to tell us a little bit about the Monaco Grand Prix because you saw the race itself, and then, if I remember correctly, you watched the Indianapolis 500 with McLaren. I did, yes. Yeah. So McLaren invited me down to their hospitality, um, and they had a, a whole decoration on the front of the front of the McLaren hospitality, which is enormous anyway. But the whole thing is a glass wall, and they had um, they had like a replica brickyard strip going down the middle of it, right <laughs> nice. right between McLaren and Honda. Yeah. And it was very very cool. Inside they had American flags. They did dinner for some media. They had like fried chicken, hot dogs, sliders, Budweisers, Coors Light. So like it was. I felt at home. I so felt like they, I was back home. They 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 tried to just go eleven out of ten on America. They did, and they did a great job. It was so much fun, and we were all sitting in there watching the Indy 500. And every like, there's a lot of passes in the Indy 500, and every single time Alonzo passed somebody, the place went nuts. It was so much fun. It was the best. It was the best time watching a sporting event that I've ever had anywhere, with a group of people that I, some of them I knew, some of them I didn't. But it was so much fun, and we're all just sitting there high fiving each other when Alonzo is going around leading, and then he'd like go a couple places back, and then be jump back to the lead, and everybody jumps up and is hugging and high fiving. And then obviously the the air went out of the place so quickly when his Honda engine blew up, and I've never which I'm sure the McLaren people were so just not used to. I, They've I, never seen such a thing. No, this is a first for Honda. I'm sure it was a, 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 uh, emotions that they've never had to experience before. But I turned around and I looked at the the press officer that I know pretty well, and his hand was just like on his forehead. Yeah. I've I've never seen so much dismay from you know a bunch of people at one time. It was truly heartbreaking, and we were all just in complete disbelief because he's what twenty laps from the end. Twenty twenty one, yeah. yeah. Twenty yeah. laps from the end, and in but contention. in a way, that was a win. That it was so close to the end of the yep. race yep. that it blew, and yep. it was the strong motor to have until it blew. Yep. So. Even was, though it blew, there were a lot of pluses to there take were, from it. There were, there yeah. uh, were. But I, more than anything, I just enjoyed spending that. Like, it, I mean, it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I mean, if I couldn't be in Indianapolis for McLaren, which almost happened, um, it was the second best thing to be in Monaco with friends and people that I like and watching the race on, I think they had 13 TVs of, like, 60 inches or more, wow. like, dotted around the place with American flags. So it was, it was like great. a proper sports bar. It was a sports bar <laughs> in McLaren Hospitality. So, um... And they had the, they had the volume jacked up loud too so it was like we were there every time the cars would go by that like low angle where yeah, the, yeah. like the flowers are blowing around, I was like nyo, 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 yeah, nyo. Yeah. it was cool it was really cool so uh, there you didn't get any sense of animosity within the team that Alonzo chose Indianapolis over Monaco no no not at all yeah. okay yeah because that was kind of like the internal question is like who really thought this was okay and who was really upset because we know that it was uh 
Zach Brown that actually initiated yep. all the conversations. I think everybody everybody in the paddock fully supported it. I think there was only a few drivers that said he's crazy. I mean, I, I know Jensen Button said, I'm not interested in doing Indianapolis ever. Like, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, he mentioned that he'd had two of his friends die. Um, in, in, in Indy races, it wasn't necessarily the Indy 500, but Indy car races. He'd had two friends die, so he just wasn't. He's not interested in running that, and yeah. he. I think he was the only one that was semi like reluctant about Alonso's choice. But he's like, he's brave. I respect him, and it's awesome that he's there. And I think it was great that Jensen. You know, he, like I, I still go back to my original point that you could have picked a lot of other people to, to yeah. do that yeah, race, especially that. in an uncompetitive car. But it was cool to see Jensen back. He was in a really good mood all weekend. He was smiley and easy to deal with. He's always easy to deal with, but he was I just, great. I don't know what he was thinking with that move he tried to make on Verline, though. He's out of practice. I mean, on, like honestly, that's the only thing I can think. Yeah, you do it for 20 years or something, and you should yeah. have it ingrained in you. But, but he hadn't done it for six months or seven months or yeah. whatever. I mean, you're going to be a little rusty, and, yeah. and you really don't run in any kind of... In, in any kind of groups or like really make many passes in practice or qualifying so what was what was the McLaren paddock reaction to uh, and your personal reaction to Scott Dixon's accident uh, we were all just just so worried because for me as a photographer I, I look around and my first thought is is the driver okay but were there any photographers at ground zero where that car hit and there was a guy that there was um and he he's okay and you know i think he he was the older gentleman and he pulled his back or something but um other than that i think we everybody got really lucky but it goes to show how safe these cars are yeah no that's definitely true but like i mean you know my history and so you know I saw, I saw his head was three feet away from that yeah. barrier. He got, it was so lucky. Yeah, and there was all this talk about, oh, the tubs are so strong and the safety's come this far and that kind of stuff. I was like, he was three feet away from all of that being irrelevant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I actually, I interviewed Scott Dixon a week later in Detroit. And I kind of brought that up. And, you know, he was very diplomatic about the whole thing. And I was like, look, no, seriously, I was scared for you. When I saw the helmet go up, nothing could be happier. But I didn't say this, but I was like, you were three feet away from, from being Jules Bianchi. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was... Or Dan Weldon. Or Dan Weldon. that's how Dan died. Right. And best case scenario, absolute best case scenario, he's, you know, three feet away from being me. Yeah. That's not good. So... You're all right, Robin. <laughs> we don't know what's under the top, under the hood there, but... Yeah. You seen uh, you seen uh, like uh, oatmeal go soggy? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, uh, but anyway, I like, I like soggy oatmeal. <laughs> That's why we're friends. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and he was like, yeah, it, know, was, it was scary. It Scott, was really scary. And it, if anyone wants it, there there is a link to it on the Fun with Cars Facebook page of my interview with Scott. But um, you know, he was very like, look, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Yep. And, you know, so he was very matter-of-fact about it, and he said he loves racing, and that's the end of it, and he's yep. very happy that it happened the way it did, and yep. so were the rest of us. Like, yep. he's definitely, he's one of those guys that you don't want to see go. No, he's, he's, he's one of the good guys. Yeah, he's very likable, he's very strong. It's never it's never the guys nobody likes, though. It's it's always the good guys. Yeah. It's the Jules, it's the Dan Weldon. Yeah, and exactly. And I imagine that 
when you said that Jensen Button had friends die at Indy, I imagine Dan was one of them. Yep, Dan you know? was a very good friend of Jensen's. And, uh, you know, and Frank Keaty, maybe yep. not as close, and he didn't die, of course, but his concussion, yep. that ended his career. Yep. Um, that wasn't at Indy, but that wasn't an Indy car. Yeah. So, yep. Scary stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Should we talk Chris, about Canada? Chris, no. Not yet? Okay. Not yet. We're not there yet. Chris Roche. He didn't have a terribly favorable point of view of Monaco from a pure racing point of view. Monaco is never going to be amazing. It never really has been amazing. But what was this year's like when you were from being on the ground? Like, what did you notice about this year? It's it's always amazing. It's, it's one of the places on... It's one of three places on this planet that still makes my hair stand up on the back of my neck when you see cars trackside. No, the racing is not amazing, uh, but we... we you know, we make the most out of it. It's not for the race, yeah, no, but so it's for the experience overall. Monaco is not ever going to be an amazing place that produces great racing, but it's an amazing racetrack. And I would argue anybody that has the point that Monaco should be taken off the calendar, that there's there's places that are way uglier, have way less history, and don't have great racing. At least the drivers have to be 100 percent committed when they're driving around monaco you cannot be anything less than that and to see an f1 car truly millimeters away from the armco that you're standing next to there's <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing else in the world like it and i think that's an important addition that you're standing next to yeah but i i think you know to bolster your point i think monaco is one of the few places where if it was literally just a parade and there was zero passing, that would still be pretty cool. It'd still be amazing. And, and I would ra I would watch 100 Monacos over 10 Chinas. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And by the way, sometimes it's less than millimeters. Yeah, I mean, is. They, they clip the wall and they push it around and yeah. they play with it. And it's like the laws of physics get bent for these guys. And uh, well, The laws of physics hold true and the they other do. things get they bent. They do. Yeah. They do. <laughs> but it, it is, I love going to Monaco. As a photographer, there's nothing better. There's yeah. truly nothing better. On a beautiful day, when we had amazing weather all weekend, it was sunny and seventy degrees every single day. And that's I, I remember, I think I said this on the last podcast that you said that when the sun's out, the blue from the Mediterranean is this unique. Yeah, you'll it's never see it anywhere it's beautiful. else. Beautiful. Yeah, and then obviously just have all the glitz and the glamour and yep. of like the what, what, what would you call it? the old money? That yeah, is Monaco, the old, right? old money. And there's a lot of new money too. Um, but there's, like, my favorite thing in the entire world, next to shooting race cars in Monaco is, is like, looking at the yachts because you walk up, like, that's that's my walk to work in the morning is past the yachts, and that's my walk. <laughs> my walk to work. Yeah, it's, and it's crazy, and that's, that's what I love about it is there's nowhere else like it on Earth, and no, the racing is not good, but... You know, it's it's worth having on the calendar because it's so special and unique, and it makes the drivers work for it. And it's uh, it's you know, tens, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars of pieces of art. Yeah. Now. Yep. They they put a lot of attention to detail in those yep. things. Yeah. They so do. I, um, but were there particular highlights of the race that uh, you remember? Um. I mean, honestly, I didn't really see a lot of the race trackside. Like when I'm standing, well, where were you? I was at the the Fairmont hairpin, so I was up on the Fairmont for the start. So I had special access to be on the roof with the the fans that had paid a lot of money to be up there. And so I'm kind of standing out of their way as best as I can and getting a cool wide shot of the hairpin because it is so tight and it's a really beautiful scenic shot. Um, 
and then I kind of wandered around, you know, areas beside that, like near in that vicinity, and then ran back to the podium and was underneath the podium for metal spraying champagne everywhere. So, what was your perception of uh, Raikkonen's mood at the end? I certainly have my guess. I mean, it was. I, I called it the night before when when Raikkonen was on pole, and I actually heard it from the horse's mouth being Nico Rosberg that the night before on Saturday afternoon I did an event with Rosberg and um, I won't tell you everything that he said because some of it was kind of off color but <laughs> what he did say was that Ferrari have to put Vettel in front they have to put Vettel in front and there's no other way around it this is Formula One Raikkonen has not been competitive enough this year to really put himself in the chase for a championship and there's going to be so many Kimi fans that are like oh that's not fair we're only seven races in or six races in at this point he's he's had six races to stay level with with Vettel and he hasn't and he's I don't know where 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 he is exactly on points but he's not anywhere in the top two well he's he's currently fourth um yeah he's so when, he's when, even behind botas when ferrari has a driver that is leading the world championship they have to do everything they can to put that into the the best of their ability and, and put it into their hands as much as they can yeah i you know when i even said that for the last podcast like i can see that argument but I can also very easily understand Kimi's frustration. Totally. I you totally know. get it. I mean, he had he had every right to be frustrated. He was the fastest man in qualifying, without a doubt. Um, and he got moved aside in the race, and Ferrari would argue that. Arriva Bene argued it yesterday in the press conference. He said, that's not what happened. This is ridiculous. That, But, of course, it happened. That's like, exactly what happened. Of course it happened. Yeah. And they're going to they're gonna say that, and it's a political spin. But it had to be done because Ferrari have to win. If they don't win this championship, everyone at Ferrari gets fired. I'm not kidding you. Arriva Bene loses his job. Every All of the mechanics will get shuffled around. They, they have got to win this championship. They have no excuse this year. This is the best opportunity they've had in decades. Well, yeah, and Arriva Bene has been on thin ice pretty much like since the second race he's been there and he's only there because the last guy was kicked out and he's only there because the last guy was kicked out i think in my five years shooting formula one i have i have photos of how many team principals it would be like it's got to be at least no i think it's closer to five wow because there was that guy that was there for like three races and then he was moved aside when arriva bene came in right yep there, I think it might be four or five team principals in five years. That's that's a lot. There was a short-lived, uh, short-lived, uh, and he was I I forget his name as well, but he was the um, American Ferrari yep. retailer. Yep. Head. Sergio Mark. No, that's, no, that's, uh, that's FCA. That's, that's yeah. Sergio. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't. But, yeah, I can't hear. But yeah, he, he was he was like an interim team principal and couldn't get it done, yeah. and, and the team was to be very interim. Yep, he was. Yeah. The team was floundering, and Ferrari have to win this year, so they put Vettel in front, and I don't blame them. And it is what it is, and if people don't like it, find another sport. Yeah, well, or, yeah. or pick another driver to follow because if your guy sucks, <laughs> you know, if you're if you're a Marcus Ericsson fan, life's gonna be really hard for you. Yes, yes, this is true. Or. Maybe now is a good time to jump to Canada if you're a Lance Stroll fan. Oh God! And here's where there's going to be more of them than anywhere. This yeah. is his. This is his home province. Yep. You know, so let alone home country. Yep. But, you know, French Canada. Uh, you know, French Canadian atmosphere is 
unique atmosphere within Canada, and uh, this is Lance Stroll hometown. This is his backyard we're standing in. Yeah, exactly. This is his pool right here. And, you know, I saw him crash, you know, 100 feet from me in Q1, right at the end. Yep. And, uh... No bueno, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh... So here we are. We're at the Canadian Grand Prix. This is after qualifying before the race on Saturday. So we do not know the race results. We do not know race results. So who would you pick? Who's your top three right now? Well, I was predicting that Mercedes would indeed look strong here because I still think Mercedes, when it comes to pure engine, I still think Mercedes has the edge. And I think Canada is the engine track this side of Monza is the most engine track of anywhere. It's true. That's a long back straightaway. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, aside from the champion chicane, pretty much straight away on the front as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, Kimi had Kimi had a decent go at it in Q2, but um, you know, at the end, Vettel was three tenths away from Hamilton. Yep. And uh, Botas was not far behind. Yep. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting tomorrow. So I think that, uh, and here's the good news about Canada: is very, of all the tracks in Formula One, comparatively speaking, this is the easy, one of the easier ones to pass on. Yeah, it is. So and I, it's just, it is still a street circuit. I love I love coming to Canada. It's yeah. a great place to take pictures. So are you saying that your top three is the way it is in I, qualifying? No, no. I I okay. think this this is the best chance. Uh, Mercedes has had yet of a one-two. Okay. So you, you're saying Hamilton, Botas? That's what I'm saying. And then who's third? Ooh, Hulkenberg. Ooh. Yeah. I think I think uh, Vettel's going to have a meltdown, and uh, he'll be halfway through a pint of ice cream before the checkered flag throws. Uh, I I'm going to debate that. I think it'll be. I think, think it'll, it'll be. be I think it'll be yogurt. I think it'll be Vettel. I think it'll be Hamilton and. Uh, I'll go Ricciardo. You got Vettel for the win? Yeah, I've got Vettel for the win. Whoa. So you think race... Hamilton is so fragile. He's in a good place today, but tomorrow's a new day. This is very true. And you think... And there is definitely truth to... There could be tire wear issues and race pace issues. I have pictures... Ferrari has legs. I have pictures yesterday. Um, Hamilton's car is the only one in my pictures that has, like, visible tire degradation. Visible tire degradation. Interesting. So, I don't know. I don't know where it'll really fall as far as everything comes tomorrow, but I, I still think that Ferrari are are in the best chance that they've ever had of, of doing really well this season, and, and Vettel was not far off of, of Hamilton. So. You're, you're right, yeah, and if, you're, if we're talking about single-lap pace... I think Ferrari that's, has... That's, that is ultimately one small component to it. If they have much pi- better tire deg... And Ferrari has better long run pace, too. Yeah, yeah. So you want to change your answer? No. Nope. Right. Halfway we'll through see, I'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is that going to be? I mean, what's your schedule like tomorrow? Because I have no idea what my schedule is. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. This has been really fascinating for me to be in the paddock in a Formula One race with a photographer that has tons of access and yet there was only one spot that Jamie and I could actually meet each other. Yep, yep. this is the this is the X marks the spot. Um, my day tomorrow starts 
probably later than any day because the race isn't until two. Uh huh. So we have the, really the morning. Like we aim to be here about four hours before the race. The drivers arrive two hours before the race generally. Um, maybe a little earlier than that here, but you know they'll there's the drivers parade and there's all that other stuff. I'm also covering Porsche Super Cup this weekend. Ah, okay. So I'm doing the Porsche Super Cup race in the morning. And then uh, we'll have all the pre-race festivities, and then we go straight into it. And then I fly. I'll edit all my pictures very quickly and send everything to our clients. And then I go straight to the airport um, in Montreal, and I fly to Paris for Le Mans on tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, but most likely not, we will actually talk tomorrow. Probably not. But um, we will definitely talk after Le Mans because yep. that'll be a conversation yep. I really want to have yep. and uh, you know it's. I'm really happy that this worked out me too yeah alright Jamie good to see it's you good seeing you alright fun with cars it's been real it's been super real okay everybody one day has passed oh yeah right here right now gotcha one day has passed the uh, Canadian Grand Prix is now finished and I have a new, yet another different co-host, and I'm very excited about this. Say hello to Mr. Engineering Explained Himself, the most internet famous person I've ever met. <laughs> What's up, guys? Happy to be here, Robin. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is, uh, I'll let him give his own name, but this is the guy behind a YouTube channel called Engineering Explained, which, very self-explanatory, explains engineering. Mostly just cars, though. Yeah, we. I've refrained from uh, much other stuff. My name's Jason Fence. Throwing but, it in there. But really, not just cars. I mean, uh, cars in a general sense. But uh, you've covered Formula One engines and different Formula One yeah. technologies, and that's what really turned me on to talking to you. We first met in person at an auto show a couple years ago. Yeah, Detroit. Uh, with the Ford GT launch. Yeah, exactly. And here we are a couple years later. Uh, we're both sitting in the, while well, I'm standing, we're both in the paddock club. Uh, and we just literally minutes ago finished watching the Canadian Grand Prix live, in which Lewis Hamilton won by a country mile, yep. which is much longer than a city mile, as Jason and everyone else knows. Yeah, he did. He had the lead. I mean, the, from the start... The Ferraris dropped back, they pulled out ahead, and yeah, no one ever touched him. Well, Raikkonen had a crummy start, Yeah, and then Vettel... Vettel got pressure from uh, Verstappen, yeah, who came in on the right side of him. Um, yeah, and, and right after turn one, I mean, it was, it was pretty much over for Ferrari, and then he damaged his wing. Exactly, he damaged his wing and the floor. Yep, yeah, so... It was, it was good watching him come back, though. I mean, I think that was honestly the most exciting part of the race was watching Vettel try and work his way back up. And fourth wasn't bad considering everything that happened to him. I have to say that it wasn't great, though. Uh, fourth place for Vettel was all good, but I believe Raikkonen ended up seventh. Yeah, and, and I'm not really sure why Raikkonen wasn't doing better because he had he, he did set the fastest lap before Vettel did. So at one point he was churning out the quickest laps, um, and he just, I, I guess it was inconsistent because he didn't seem to move anywhere. He just kind of floated around seven, and 
It wasn't. It wasn't passing those uh, Force India guys. Well, that's the key right there. He wasn't moving, but he wasn't moving past uh, Perez in a Force India. And nothing against Force India. They've done very well. They were fourth in constructors last year. They are Mercedes power, but still, this is Ferrari we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's the audio version of someone shaking their head? Yes, because that's what was happening. <laughs> um, yeah. So. It was, it seemed to me, a very uh, easy run for Hamilton, which there was a debate about this a little bit of like, who had the stronger power plant, and some people were starting to think Ferrari. But I think this Grand Prix shows that Mercedes still has ultimately the strength here. Yeah, I mean, he, he walked away with it. And so yesterday, watching qualifying, uh, it, it looked like Vettel was close. He was off He was off Hamilton's pace by like four thousandths of a second. And then Hamilton says, nope, and he goes back out, and he takes another two-tenths off. I, I mean, I think it was three-tenths. Okay, yeah, I mean, it was huge. It was just a, a massive gap that he just threw in. And it's like, it's like yeah, you're, you're not going to catch me. And no one did. <laughs> Yeah, no one did, and by the end, I mean, his gap to his teammate, Valtteri Botas was over 13 seconds, I believe, at the yeah. end. Yeah, I, it might have even been 14, 15. Yeah, it was, it was huge. You'll have to forgive us. This is a good time to mention that we are in the paddock club and very close to the start-finish, and as I'm sure you can hear, there's a lot of noise in the background. So we actually saw very little, We, but we had... An excellent view of turn one and a decent view of turn two. So we saw some of the action that happened. But this race, ironically enough, is a lot harder to follow in person than it is when you're watching on television. Yeah, it, it is tough to follow. Uh, but, I mean, they, they, they do an amazing job covering it on television. I guess we didn't get audio, which was kind of weird uh, from the TV. But, yeah. Well, we, get, well I'm, we did get some audio. I think, you know, I was a few rounds down from you. And uh, I could hear some audio, right. so I think you were you were in the popular part of the paddock. Yeah, hanging out with Alonzo uh, after after he dipped out. <laughs> exactly right. So, is there any um, engineering point of view that uh, stood out for you? Is there something that caught your eye? Well, I haven't. So I haven't seen uh, the new cars. This is my first time seeing the updates. Um, I mean nothing huge. They're definitely they're definitely quicker, and they've got giant giant tires, which uh, I don't know. Four hundred and five millimeters in back. Four hundred five. That's the yeah. that's the spec. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's they're massive. They're, they're just stupid huge, which is cool. Um, what's what's neat here about this turn one is that you see them coming in, you know, three hundred plus kilometers an hour, and all of that speed is shaved off within like the length of a, a you know a small stand of people and it's it's crazy watching the car so fast and then immediately so slow well especially when we were here earlier and we saw the support races so we saw you might not have seen these but there was formula ford 1600s yep. porsche gt3 cup cars and then the ferrari challenge cars and you had that uh to uh count against the formula one cars and that's where you could really see the difference in speed and yet the braking distance is being so tight yeah yeah you're you're absolutely right and, and it's yeah it's it's a huge difference i mean watching those uh ferraris and the the gt3s uh one of the cool things too about this turn is that we get to see all the hot brakes so yeah, the, the ferraris flying in they're all 
bright red discs, uh, and immediately, immediately dark, just accelerating out of turn one. So it's pretty impressive uh, how hot they get and how quickly they seem to cool. And you can notice it on some of the Formula One cars. Uh, some of them kind of have more of a cover you can't really see inside, but every now and then you'd get one with red hot coming in. It was like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's neat to see. So let's, uh, that was too, like, enthusiastic and passionate. Let's try to make it more engineering sounding. Uh, the thermal efficiencies of the Formula One car's brakes are impressive. Sure. Yeah, I'll agree to that. <laughs> I'll tell you. It's all about with the, with the Formula One cars. It's all about in a, in a small package versus the the Ferraris. You've got more wheel, so you can get bigger discs in there. Um, so so with the Formula One cars, it's all about packaging it into a super tiny little hub. Uh, that that is it. Fifteen inch. Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. So so tiny wheels compared to most anything on the road yeah. these days. Yeah. But better brakes, of course, than than anything out there. So it, it's impressive what they're able to do with it uh, in such a small such a small space yeah no i i agree completely and i love watching some porsches because a ferrari challenge car is not a slow car and porsche has built their entire reputation on their racing credibility and so these are very capable race cars that we saw and they just look dog slow compared to the formula one cars on track you look at braking points you look at entry speed you look at exit speed and they're just, they're not even comparable almost. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of obvious, but yeah, there's a, there's a massive difference. I mean, there's a massive difference in talent, too. So there's a, there's a wide range of, of why it looks so different. But, um, yeah, the, the Ferrari challenge was interesting <laughs> because some of those guys, like, they don't seem to have a very good road etiquette. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this. Uh, I would... Uh, I would have a hard time placing myself against the slowest Formula One driver. Yeah. But I feel pretty darn confident of putting myself against the slowest Ferrari Challenge driver. I, I think I'd be mid-pack, frankly. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say I'd be mid-pack because I probably wouldn't. I'd be last. But I would at least have some etiquette, some proper track etiquette. Where one of these guys, he got, he ran off, and then he tried to jump back in. He he jumped back in, crashed into a car, and and then spun. And then tried to get ahead of a pack, and it's like, dude, you're doing everything wrong. Like, yeah. like let the people pass, and so you're not wrecking them. Like, it, yeah, it was, it was silly. It was childish. Yeah, I agree. But so, I guess it's time for us to go. But uh, that was Jason Fenske of Engineering Explained uh, giving us a quick tutorial on post F1. Um, thank you. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, Robin, just thanks for having me. Uh, great chatting with you about Formula One. It's been fun out here in Montreal. Hello, everyone, and it's Robin again. Uh, at this time, I am alone, and this will be the third and final segment of my kind of, sort of, multiple co-host live edition of the podcast for the Canadian Grand Prix. I just wanted to kind of give... A quick closing to explain <laughs> uh, how that all worked out. I was at a I was at a Honda event in Montreal for the Canadian Grand Prix, and it just worked out that Jason Fenske of Engineering Explained was also on that trip. So we got a chance to discuss um, the race uh, post race, as you just heard, and uh, Montreal was one of the races that Jamie Price was shooting so it worked out that we could both chat and uh, 
Jamie after qualifying, Jason after the race itself. Um, we'll, I'll have another show um, after the British Grand Prix that will be more traditional. There's no schedule, there's no plans for me to go to England for that race. So real quick, I'm jumping in here. Uh, what I said about the British Grand Prix and Chris Roche absolutely holds true. I do absolutely plan on having a podcast for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, uh, what was known as the European Grand Prix, and as well as the Austrian Grand Prix, both of those ahead of the British Grand Prix. So I did not mean to suggest that I'm taking a break until the British Grand Prix, but uh, that was the one that was top of mind for that last recording. Okay. But I just, I hope, I appreciate uh, your patience with the not as good audio quality and it wasn't quite as organized a conversation uh, per usual because of the circumstances, but I do hope that uh, it turned out to be a good show to listen to because of the uh, authenticity of it and the different people we were talking to. Um, I do uh, plan and hope to have Christopher Roche join me again for the next podcast so we can discuss all things all things English, all things British uh, for the British Grand Prix. And uh, I would quite like to hear his take on the Canadian Grand Prix as well because uh, Chris was mentioned uh, a couple of times during my conversation with Jamie. It was all in good fun. And um, yeah, so... I just uh, wanted to remind everybody, of course, um, if you want to email me, please do so at feedback at funwithcars.com. Of course, uh, our Twitter account uh, is at FWCars, and um, you can follow us on Facebook, where you know I try to keep updates and things like that. And uh, because my new day job kind of overlaps a little bit more with uh, the racing world, more than my previous one, um, I'll use the Facebook page to have occasional updates on that as well, which as a pro, it's as appropriate as anything. I can show you the, um, the car that I was there to review in Montreal, which is why I was at the Canadian Grand Prix in the first place. Anyway, um, <clears throat> thank you again for your patience with the audio quality. Uh, I do hope that this show came out decent considering um considering what it was and um thanks again for listening goodbye